Hello and welcome to episode 124 of the Atlanta Man Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Rogers, and I am here solo today for the first time in a very long time to talk some ball, talk some Braves, Falcons, Hawks, all three teams today. They've been pretty busy lately, especially the Braves. Uh, The Falcons got a big game next week against the Saints as they were mercifully on bye yesterday. Didn't have to watch them. And the Hawks have hit a bit of a skid lately, but still some encouraging signs to start the season and uh, the in-season tournament that has just started up. We will get to the birds in in a second because we got to talk about the Braves, man. They have been extremely busy for, what, the past four or five days. They have added a bunch of pitching. They have cut some pitching loose. They have cut some very notable names loose in the process, too, as Alex Anthopoulos and the front office have taken an absolute machete to the 40-man roster. And uh, we're about to get into the start of a series of moves that have been very interesting and really kind of exciting for the fan base. People are really starting to speculate that something massive could be coming with the Braves, um, with all the things that have been transpiring over the past few days. So let's just start off from the very beginning of what happened on uh, what I believe was Friday night when they made a trade with the Chicago White Sox for Aaron Bummer. So on its face, the Braves trading for Aaron Bummer is not anything crazy. He is a lefty reliever, um, strikes out a ton of guys, has some real nasty stuff, um, had a really bad ERA last year, a 6.79 ERA with the White Sox, but a 3.58 FIP. So, you know, strikeout stuff was really good. 99th percentile in a, in a uh, barrel rate, which is awesome. 61% ground ball rate, that's really good too. So trading for Aaron Bummer in a vacuum is you know perfectly fine. You might think, oh, we've seen like a lower level prospect. And, um, yeah, we got Aaron Bummer after a down year, kind of bought low on him. Uh, They did buy low on him, but it was not the package you would be expecting being sent back to Chicago. As the Braves sent Michael Soroka, Jared Schuster, Nicky Lopez, Braden Shoemake, and Riley Goins, a right-handed minor leaguer. uh, The most anonymous name of the five guys traded from the Braves. But the Braves just cleared out 40-man spots with this trade, and they added... Aaron Bummer, who is a real reliever. I know a 6.79 ERA is bad, and most fans are going to look at that and think, what the hell? Why are we getting this guy? Why are we trading five guys for this guy? First of all, really, at least three of the guys the Braves sent have just not a real future with the team, and I'm talking about Soroka, Schuster, and Shoemake. Uh, Michael Soroka, bless his heart, he came back this year, he, uh, you know, we all know his injury history with the Achilles stuff and even the arm issues that he's had to. And, um, you know, he just didn't have a great year and he was due a good amount of money in arbitration. The non-tender deadline was the very next day. So the Braves were going to non-tender Soroka. He was owed around $4 million. They were not going to pay him that. Um, same with Nicky Lopez, who Nicky Lopez was the best player the Braves traded. He actually did have a future with the Braves. He would be a really an ideal backup utility middle infielder. Um, his defense is awesome. He's pretty fast. He even showed a little bit with the bat with the Braves this year since uh, the trade deadline where he got traded from Kansas City. But he was also owed around $4 million too. And uh, the Braves just probably thought, hey, we'd probably get another backup infielder for a little bit cheaper 
than four million. Um, but Nicky Lopez, he's worth that. He's a good player, and I'm kind of happy slash sad for him going to Chicago because uh, the White Sox are horrendous. But he's probably going to, to play a lot. Probably going to be their starting shortstop now that Tim Anderson is gone. But um, as far as Soroka, I want to touch on him a little more and just you know the tragedy of Mike Soroka of what happened to him. Um, it it sucks that it ends this way for him. Um, you know, hopefully he gets to go to Chicago and kind of like Lopez gets to pitch every fifth day, um, make 30 starts, figure things out. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just wish the best for that guy because he has been through the ringer and hopefully, hopefully the Chicago White Sox can show a little bit of competence with him and try to, um, fix some of the issues he has and get him back on the right track. Cause he's still fairly young, you know, and he, um, he, he showed some real velocity when he did come back this year. So, I still think there's some upside. A lot of people were mad to break straight at him, but I'm just not um, too upset about it because they're about to just cut him the next day. He was going to get non-tendered. Same with Lopez. Um, the other two guys that are uh, of note, Jared Schuster and Braden Shoemake, both made their debuts for the Braves last year. Shoemake only played in one game. but uh, Shoemake, he can field. He cannot hit. And I just uh, I never really expected him to have a future with the Braves. He was a f- former first-round pick, just like... Uh, Jared Schuster and Michael Soroka, all three first-round picks getting traded, which, you know, that's not great. Not all those were Anthopolis picks. Um, I believe Soroka was a copy pick, uh, but Schuster and Shoemake were Alex Anthopoulos' first-round picks. Shoemake can play some good defensive shortstop, but he cannot hit, and, um, you know, he was just never going to be the guy. Like, he was never going to be the guy at shortstop for the Braves, even though there were some rumors before the season that he might be. But, um, you know, even with R.C., uh, being there and him falling off a little bit and there being some you know some people suggesting the Braves might do something at shortstop it was never going to be Braden Shoemake. Uh, Jared Schuster. Schuster played a lot more than Braden Shoemake did in the regular season and he was pretty horrible. Um, not as bad as his rookie counterpart Dylan Dodd but Schuster made 11 starts a 5-8-1 ERA which you know isn't awful it's not good, but it's not like he had a eight ERA. It was at least like, you know, somewhat, you know, competent. There's a reason he was able to make 11 starts. Um, it's not a good ERA, but uh, 5.9 Ks per nine and 4.4 walks per nine. Never, ever going to work. That's not a big league pitcher. He struck out just 30 guys in 52 and two thirds innings and he walked 26. Um, he's 24. He just, it's, it's just not good stuff. The stuff is not there for uh, Jared Schuster. I hate to say it, but uh, I'm perfectly fine with moving on from him. And, uh, you know, this is a 40-man crunch after all. The Braves were wiping bodies out their 40-man roster. And, um, yeah, I think that can pivot us into the next moves that they made on the next day, which was the non-tender deadline on Friday. Um, oh, yeah, before before we move on, we do have to mention that the same night the Braves made this trade, Ronald Acuna did win the MVP. We all knew that was going to happen. Um, unanimously, which was pretty surprising. I thought Mookie would swipe a couple of bets at least, a couple of bets, a couple of votes. Um, but I, I was pretty surprised that he was unanimous, but great for Ronald, you know, winning the MVP. It's, um, it's an incredible accomplishment and unanimously is even better. So shout out to Ronald. Historic season. We've talked about it over and over again on this podcast, but we got a shout out that he finally did win the MVP. And that is a accomplishment that, no one will ever forget. No one will ever forget the season he had. It was absolute, absolutely historical. 
So yeah, let's um let's move on to the next next part of the deals. Sorry, Ronald, but there's just so much stuff happening around his MVP that was a little more newsworthy. Um, next one that we had was Kyle Wright getting traded. Another Braves first round pick. Kyle Wright just um you know around a year ago, year and a half ago was seemingly going to be a fixture in the Braves rotation for years to come, and um now he is on the Kansas City Royals, which is uh, really a stark turn of events of how you know his career had kind of taken a 180 and he had seemingly figured things out. But him having the shoulder surgery um, right before the playoffs and him missing all of next season, the Braves must, you know, the Braves obviously know way more than we do or any other team or any other person. They might think that he's just cooked, the shoulder is done, and um, you know they're probably going to non-tender him too. He 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 was far more curious. Then trading Soroka, um, Schuster, Nicky Lopez, Shoemake, um, because he was only due a 1.4 million arbitration. That was his projection. I this is the one I probably wouldn't have done. But like I said, I, the Braves know a lot more than me. I probably would have just held on to Kyle Wright, paid him 1.4 million to rehab and see what he has in 2025. But you know they might think the shoulder is real bad, real real bad. So that's my. That's my hunch of why the Braves did this. They traded him for uh, Jackson Cower, a former first-round pick, and he was really bad for the Royals last year. He's 27 years old. He had a 6.43 ERA. Um, he did strike out a good amount of guys, but his career ERA is 9.12 over 74 innings. That's 75 earned runs in 74 innings. Yeah, he struck out 75 guys over that span, so... Pretty good strikeout figure, but he is just, I think he's a pure lottery ticket. Um, You know, Aaron Bummer, he is for sure going to be in the bullpen next year, I'm pretty sure, um, barring any injury. Cower is a straight lottery ticket. He he has one minor league option, so they might just stick him in Gwinnett. But, yeah, this was just straight getting something for Kyle Wright because they were going to non-tender him. And uh, this, yeah, this is the one I'm still, I'm looking at again. I'm just like, oh, man, I don't know. I probably would have just paid Kyle Wright a million and a half dollars and just see what he has in 2025. But yeah, you know, if you're, if you're the Royals, this is great. Uh, you give up, you know, it is one of your former first round picks, but he's 27 now. Like I said, a nine twelve career ERA and you get Kyle Wright, who, if he can figure things out, Kyle Wright is not a free agent until what year is he a free agent until 2027. So, you know, he's missing all of next year, but if he can figure something out, and uh, stay healthy in 2025 and 26, you know, you could have a good starting pitcher for two seasons. Um, but I think the Braves think that his shoulder is bad, bad. And, yeah, they wanted to just get something for him. And, um, you know, I guess there is some sort of upside with Jackson Cower. I can't say I knew too much about him, but he was a first-round pick out of Florida. Um, and he's got strikeout stuff. And I, he's just he's a lottery ticket in my mind. Maybe Maybe they can get their hands on him and fix him, but... I uh, I don't think so. Next piece of business the Braves did was non-tendering the rest of the guys that they couldn't really trade. I'm trying to pull up the list now. Off the top of my head, I know it was Yanni Chirinos, um, Colby Allard. Who else was it? Pin Murphy, who they got off of waivers. Chadwick Trump, Luke Williams. Um, I think I might just name them all. I'm trying to pull up the official list. 
to uh, see who they actually uh, did. Okay, here we go. Yeah, I named them all. Oh, Angel Perdomo, too, who they picked off from waivers from the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, and Michael Tonkin, who pitched the fourth most innings on the Braves last year, which uh, that's kind of uh, crazy in itself. But those were the non-tender guys, and the Braves completely just he they they took their 40-man roster down to 30 in a couple of days uh they did add a guy today which we're about to get into but this was when things once they traded Kyle Wright and then about an hour later they announced the non-tenders people were starting to be like oh so 10 more roster spots have just opened up um major league guys are off the roster like Tonkin Wright Soroka um uh even Luke Williams was on the team for a little bit Yanni Chirinos um so it is very interesting of how they're handling this uh, this doesn't even include you know Eddie Rosario leaving and Kevin Pilar is gone and other names are gone um so it is uh very interesting what they have done here um the 40-man roster was at 30 after this and pe- the people were starting to think is this the year that the Braves are going to do the crazy ass move and um you know the Shohei stuff was swirling, obviously, Juan Soto trades. Um, those are the high-end options, but, you know, the Braves just have a lot of flexibility, and there's going to be a lot of new faces. And uh, one new face was added this morning um, in typical Braves fashion, just like all these trades. Well, actually, the Kyle Wright trade was reported on before, but, um, you know, the Braves just released a press release at around noon. Um, Ronaldo Lopez to the Braves. Um, this is a guy I wanted the Braves to trade for at the deadline last year. So I, I like this quite a bit. He can absolutely sling it. He can throw over 100 miles an hour, filthy wipeout slider, just your uh, typical reliever repertoire. But there is a bit of a wrinkle with this signing. Uh, the Braves are paying him $4 million in 2024 and $11 million in uh, 2025 and 2026. So this is a three-year, $30 million deal total. If you take into account the $4 million buyout, if they don't pick up his $8 million club option in 2027. So um, for competitive balance tax purposes, uh, Reynaldo Lopez's AAV is around uh, eight something million, 8.5 million or something like that. But he's only going to make $4 million next year. And uh, there was some reporting from the Braves beat writers, Justin Toscano and Mark Bowman, that Reynaldo is going to stretch out and prepare to be a starter this offseason and heading into spring training. He is a former starting pitcher, um, former pretty big prospect. He was traded from the Nationals to the White Sox for Adam Eaton way back in the day in around 2015, 2016. Um, But when he got to the White Sox, he was a starter for a little bit. Um, as uh, He did not have much success, but in 2018 and 2019, he was a full-time starter. 32 starts in 2018, 33 starts in 2019. Um, his only real year of success as a starter was 2018. He had a 3.91 ERA, but the next year he was pretty bad, and uh, he's kind of been a reliever since. They had him starting in 2020, where he was bad again, but he has found kind of a lane as a reliever in the past uh, three years. Since 2021, becoming a full-time reliever, Ronaldo's numbers are 3.14 ERA, over 189 innings, 201 strikeouts, and a 3.31 FIP. That is uh, pretty good. There are 10 starts mixed in there, um, but I uh, he, he's, he has been pretty much a reliever the past th- three or so years. So, um, you know, all those all those starts were in 2021 pretty much. We made nine of them. One of them was in 2022, but the Braves think they might can bring him back as a starter. He is uh, going to be 30 years old. Like I said, the stuff is electric, but 
all of his success has pretty much been as a reliever. But, I mean, if you could figure something out and get this guy stretched out and starting, I mean, he he can throw. He can chuck it faster than Spencer Strider. You know, the stuff is there. And, um, you know, it's kind of like Aaron Bummer. These guys are both former White Sox. Uh, they have nasty stuff. And, you know, Lopez kind of had a crazy year last year. He got traded from the White Sox at the deadline to the Angels, along with Lucas Giolito. And um, he got uh, waived, put on the waiver thing that they did last year, all the teams were, um, which isn't a bad thing, him getting waived. It was just so another team would pick him up and eat the money. He was actually very good with the Angels. And then the Guardians picked him up, along with Lucas Giolito. Him and Lucas Giolito have spent every waking moment of their career together. They came up as Washington Nationals. They were both traded during the 2016 offseason to the Chicago White Sox. They were both traded to the Angels at the trade deadline last year. And they were both waived and picked up by the Guardians last year as well. So they have been in lockstep with each other their entire careers. So it would be pretty fitting if the Braves signed Lucas Giolito to make some starts so he wouldn't have to leave his buddy Reynaldo behind. You know, that's just... Uh, Seems how this thing has worked for, you know, about eight years now. So we will see how that plays out, that saga. But, um, yeah, back to Lopez and just him. I think he's really good. I mean, he was a two-win reliever last year, 83 strikeouts over 66 innings, um, you know, 3-2-7 ERA. He was really good after he got out of Chicago. And the White Sox were just a complete dumpster fire last year. Um, but between L.A. and Cleveland – he only gave up four earned runs over 24 innings. He was really good once he left um, Chicago. And he, and he wasn't even horrible with the White Sox either. But, I mean, the White Sox just had that stink on them last year. That's kind of the thing with Aaron Bummer, too, that they think, you know, you actually have something to play for. You're not just part of a miserable team. Uh, sorry to any White Sox fans listening. But, yeah, I, uh, I like this move quite a bit. The starting pitching wrinkle is interesting. I don't know if it's going to work just because his track record as a starter is not great. But it is interesting to say the least. Even if he is a swing man, um, that has some value in itself. Um, but I, I think with the $11 million in 2025 and 26, I think, you know, this year they might have him in the bullpen a little bit, swing man, like I said. But they might like full blown think in 2025 and 26 that he is going to be a starter. Because when you think of the money the Braves have tied up, I haven't even mentioned, I mean, Aaron Bummer um, is owed about $5.5 million on his contract uh, with two club options the next two years. So that's some real real money they add to the bullpen with that trade. They've already extended Jimenez and Pierce Johnson to real reliever money, around $7-8 million apiece for those guys. And, you know, it's only $4 million this year. But next year with the $11 million, that's that's a lot of money for a reliever, especially not a closer. I mean, for comparison's sake, Rysel Iglesias... The team's closer is making $16 million. I know it's a $5 million difference, but, you know, $11 million is like closer type money. You know, elite setup man money. And Lopez could be that. You know, he hasn't been quite that good. He's just been more of like a good reliever, not a, um, you know, top 10, top 15 reliever in the game. But I think the Braves really, really believe they can convert him back to a starter. So we will see how that goes. That is going to be... One of the more interesting storylines once uh, the team reports for spring training and um, something I will for sure be on the on the lookout for. But, yeah, these moves have been pretty, pretty fun, very interesting, all of them in their own right. Um, sad stuff with, you know, Soroka leaving um, Kyle Wright, too. Kyle Wright was a 
pretty big piece of the Braves been winning the World Series in 2021. You know, he had a couple of really good relief outings, and you never know. The Braves might not win the World Series if not for Kyle Wright. Uh, they might not win, what was it, game four that he ended up uh, pitching, you know, four solid innings for the team. So, yeah, Kyle Wright, Braves legend, Mike Soroka, Braves legend. And, you know, the one that I'm really the most upset about is Nicky Lopez. I kind of wanted them to keep him to be the backup middle infielder. But I just think, you know, he just wasn't going to play a ton if there wasn't an injury. And they probably just thought $4 million is too much for a guy that is rarely going to play. Because we've seen how the Braves are. Everyone plays every day. And unless there's an injury, which there could be, you know, there was this year, he got a good amount of playing time when Ozzy had his short IL stint, but you know, that was pretty much it, but everyone's going to play every day if they're healthy. And, um, you know, the Braves know that and they probably thought, Hey, 4 million, probably a little much for a guy that's maybe going to play 40 games or something. You know, that's about, um, like, uh, 10 million or a million dollars every 10 games for him. That's kind of a lot. So we will, um, We'll see what they do with backup infield. Um, Luke Williams is gone. Um, people are saying Von Grissom is going to be the backup infielder. He's not. That would just be an immense waste of value of Von to just be a backup infielder. That's not going to be the case. Von Grissom might not be on the team. I, I still have a hunch that he is going to get traded this offseason for uh, starting pitching help or left field help. Um, we'll see what they do with those two departments. Um, now it's time to get into like a little bit of rumors portion. We'll do this quickly because... You know, it isn't anything concrete. Uh, Aaron Nola signed back with the Phillies, um, and the Braves were heavily, heavily connected to him. The Braves made a very real offer to Aaron Nola. Six years and around $160 million is what they offered him. The Phillies end up retaining Nola, which I thought was going to be the case all along. He just did not seem like the type of guy that was going to leave Philadelphia. He gets seven years, $172 million, so an extra year, about $10 more million than the Braves offered him. Um, but you know, the Braves being super, super linked to Nola is interesting. They're already, um, heavily linked to Sonny Gray also, who is going to, uh, cost a little less money, but he is a little less older, probably less upside than Nola. Um, but you know, the Braves still seem to be heavily involved in the starting pitching market. Um, maybe this Ronaldo thing, um, changes that slightly. Uh, but I don't, uh, I don't think so. I think they would still be on the lookout for starting pitching because, Ronaldo Lopez is not a sure thing as a starter right now at all. So you cannot just bank on him. You can't pencil Lopez in for 180 innings as a starter next year. That would just be irresponsible. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see what they do. Um, Sonny Gray, very interested. He was incredible last year for the Twins. I believe he led baseball in FIP. He had a better FIP than Strider, who was second. So that's uh, that's pretty impressive stuff there. And, um, yeah, left field is still wide open. And there are... You know, some options on the free agent market that are interesting, uh, Lourdes Gurriel, Teoscar Hernandez. Um, the big one is Juan Soto, the Juan Soto trade. I know me and Evan mentioned it on one of our previous episodes, but if they want to go do that, go ahead and do it. And then, of course, you have your Shohei Otani stuff. There was the report that Otani might be interested in playing for the Braves. I don't think the Braves are going to uh, get Shohei Otani. If they did, I would uh, be thrilled, but... I um I will believe it when I see it. Um okay uh, last last thing about the Braves. Ron Washington and Eric Young Senior are with the Angels now. Uh, Wash is the manager for the Angels. Very happy for him. He's wanted to get back into managing for a long time now, and uh, he gets his opportunity in L.A. It does kind of suck because um the Angels are going to be kind of a disaster, which is unfortunate. 
for him, but he brings Eric Young along with him to be the first base coach. Uh, so the Braves have a couple of vacancies at first and third uh, as for, for the coaches. So we will see what they do there. Um, but, uh, yeah, shout out to Ron Washington. He is a legend. Everybody loves Wash. Um, the infield drills have, you know, everybody seen the videos of him out there every day doing work with Riley, Ozzy, um, Matt Olson, Freddie back in the day. Um, so, yeah, Dansby when he was here, all those guys. Uh, so wish wish them all the best in L.A. And I'm really happy for Ron Washington getting another shot as a manager with how uh, with how his – with what happened to him in Texas with that World Series. Him getting another shot is um, very, uh, very good for him. I don't think much winning is going to come of it, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, it is still the managing job. At the end of the day, that's what he wanted. So shout out to him. All right, let's uh, let's talk about some Hawks. Let's talk about some Hawks. Uh, they are in the thick of the pool play games, I guess you would say, in the NBA in-season tournament. They are one and one in the pool play games. They beat the Pistons on the road, one twenty-six to one twenty. And uh, their most recent game on Friday against the Sixers, they lose one twenty-six to one sixteen. A real defensive struggle against the Sixers. They also lost to the Knicks. Um, so they are on a two-game losing streak at the moment. But uh, the Hawks, kind of a weird start to the season. Weird start. They lost their first two games to the Hornets and Knicks. They go and win four in a row, and since then they are 2-4. and four. So they're 6-6. Six and six. Not a disaster. It is just 12 games. Um, they've looked awesome at times, and uh, at times they've just seemed kind of stagnant. And uh, Trey has just not had a great start to the season shooting-wise. Um, Passing-wise, he's been terrific, 11 assists per game. But, you know, Trey right now, he's just shooting 35% from the field, which is not what you want. That is just not what you want at all, 28% from three. He had a similar start last year. Um, but, yeah, it's just uh, not, not what you want from Trey. The passing has been awesome. Against the Knicks, he had 17 assists. <laughs> you know, just 15 points because um, – you know, he wasn't uh, shooting the ball that great, but 17 assists, that speaks for itself. So he has not been a complete waste or anything offensively. I mean, he is still getting the ball to guys in a very efficient manner. Um, you know, the other big story of the season so far has been Jalen Johnson and just how good Jalen has been. Uh, he leads the team in uh, field goal percentage. He's averaging 15 points a game on eight rebounds on great efficiency. He is fifth in the league in uh, field goal percentage. So that's... um. Good for here. He's shooting 44% from three. You know, not a ton of attempts, but he uh, still, you can't argue with that. You take that every day of the week. You say Jalen's going to shoot 44%. Even if it is on just three attempts a game, you uh, you take that. And, um, yeah, he's uh, he's been awesome. Shout out to him um, for, you know, it seems like he is a full-blown contender for most improved player. And that's awesome for him. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's look ahead, though, with this Hawks team of what they got on their plate coming up. They have a game tomorrow night, a group play game against the Indiana Pacers, who have had a pretty solid start to the season. I know they just got their doors blown off by the Orlando Magic, who have also had a pretty good start to their season. But, um, yeah, this is a kind of a game I think the Hawks can get right on. The Pacers are probably playing a little above their skis. Uh, the Hawks are favored to win this game at home. So that uh, that kind of shows... Um, what the what the what Vegas is thinking um, with this one, so hopefully they can get back on track. 
with this game against the Pacers because um you know this in season tournament it is interesting I am I am kind of invested I want the Hawks to uh like to make it and um make it out of their group um so I I am I am pretty intrigued by this um I'm trying to see when their next one is because they are on Tuesdays and Fridays I think they have this one on t t tomorrow the 21st then they don't play again until next Tuesday against the Cavs and I believe that is their last group game and then um, we'll see if they qualify. I know they can, they can still make it without winning their group if they have a good record and be a wild card. But they are six and six, so they'd have to get kind of hot to make the wild card for the the in season tournament. It is kind of a weird concept. I know some people are hating on it, thinking that it's pointless. I just want to see the whole thing play out. I want to see the stakes of the uh, Final Four in Vegas of how that's going to be. Um, I still think this is just a attempt uh, by the league to limit load management and have guys have something to play for. They have made a ton of changes to that of where you guys to play a certain amount of games to qualify for awards and all that stuff. They really do not like load management. And uh, this is definitely part of that. And also just probably to keep the fans a little more interested, the NBA season, they have really made it quite pointless. I mean, look at this Hawks team the past two years. They have been about as mid as you can be and they still were able to make the play-in tournament and make it out and be in the playoffs. You know, the eight-team field is already too much with the play-in tournament on top of it. It is just, uh, yeah, the NBA expansion of the playoffs is wild. So we will see. Um, I know Snyder and some of the players have said that, you know, these games do feel slightly different, a little more high stakes, um, which, you know, I guess, that's, I guess that was the goal of the league. So... Um, I guess it is working out to uh, to that degree, but um, yeah, we will we'll see how this plays out. Um, but yeah, tomorrow against the Pacers, and then for the rest of the week, they got a pretty busy week. They got four games: Pacers, then Brooklyn on Wednesday, so a back to back, and then Thursday, Friday off, then another back to back on Saturday and Sunday against the Wizards and the Celtics, both on the road. They actually have a long road trip go coming up: Boston, Cleveland, San Antonio, and Milwaukee until they get back home and uh, face the Nuggets on December 11th. Can I get ahead of myself there? December 11th is in the future, pretty down the road. So, yeah, that's the Hawks. That's what I got. Um, you know, I want to see Trey shoot the ball a little bit better. That's a, that's a big thing. Um, but, you know, they're 6-6, six and six, It but it feels better. If they were 6-6 six and six with Nate McMillan, it wouldn't feel, you know, quite as good because um, I still have some faith in Quinn Snyder. So yeah, let's uh let's pivot, let's wrap things up, and let's talk about the Falcons. Um, the Falcons have a pretty huge game coming up on on Sunday. They are one game back in the NFC South. They're four and six. The Saints are five and five in first place. And who do they play this Sunday? The New Orleans Aints. At home, the Falcons have opened up as a one point favorite to beat the Saints. It has been announced that Desmond Ritter is starting in this game, and he uh, they plan for him to be the starter for the rest of the season. I think that's what they should do, um, honestly. Um, but the Falcons, you know, with all of their shortcomings and how pitiful they play lately, they're in it. And they have two games left against the Saints. You know, they're on a three-game losing streak with just three absolutely demoralizing losses. We didn't talk about the Arizona game last week with the no episode, but yeah, the, the Cardinals did have Kyler Murray back and he has played pretty well since returning. So that does factor into things. 
but um yeah it is uh it has been just full-blown misery the past three weeks you know losing to levis then dobbs then murray all three of those guys those their first games of the season that's uh that's tough that's tough but uh you know the falcons are on by this week i believe the saints were also on by so both teams will be fresh Uh, let me double check were the saints on by yeah they did not they did not play yesterday i thought they didn't um but uh yeah they kind of have to win this game you know i don't want to say it's a must win because it's not but they they really need to win this game. They kind of need to sweep the Saints to make the playoffs, I think. That or win out. And, you know, we've said this ad nauseum all season. The schedule is a cakewalk. And, you know, that hasn't mattered all the time because the Falcons themselves aren't very good. But Saints next week. Then they play the Jets, who are now uh, starting Tim Boyle as their starting quarterback. Then it's the Bucks, who we've already beaten, and the Bucks are the Bucks. And it's the Panthers, who are the worst team in the league. Then it's the Colts, who are without Anthony Richardson. Then it's the Bears, who are one of the worst teams in the league. And then it's the Saints again to wrap up the season. So, yeah, we are going to we're going to see what this team is made of. They they can make the playoffs if they just you know take care of business. You know, you would think they're better than most of these teams, but are they? They're four and six. You know, they've had some very questionable coaching decisions from Arthur Smith. They don't really have a quarterback. Um, yeah, it is very just exhausting to even think about. I'm just, like, having to watch this game on Sunday, Falcons-Saints. You know, it's our biggest rival, and I'm going to be fired up for it. But, like, I'm just not, like, this ain't my thing of them just being, you know, so miserable. And they're just in, they've the last two years, they've just been in this, purgatory of you know not bad enough to be out of it but not good enough to be fully in it you know they we had the whole song and dance last year of Mariota and um him him starting until the Falcons were out of the playoffs when we were begging for Desmond Ritter last year and now you know it's not the same thing not the same situation but they have kind of flip-flopped on quarterbacks with Ritter and Heineke um but yeah it is they, they have been in purgatory for the past two years. I have been in purgatory for the past two years. We all have been. Um, other thing of note for this game, Derek Carr, he got hurt against the Vikings, and uh, he is questionable. So we will see if he plays. If not, it's, it's Jameis Winston time, which uh, I hate that Jameis is on the Saints. I love Jameis Winston, and um, I, I hope he doesn't play because I don't want to root against Jameis. That's my guy. It's been... A travesty that he's had to play for the Buccaneers and the Saints for his entire career. I will say that right now. Jameis Winston deserves much better. And, uh, yeah, I love Jameis. I love Jameis. So, I would take Jameis as the Falcons quarterback right now. They should have traded for him at the deadline. Um, but, uh, yeah, Falcons, home, they're at home and they're favored. Uh, the Derek Carr thing probably is factoring into them being favored a little bit. The uncertainty with him and uh, the home field advantage. But... We're going to see. We are going to see. So, uh, yeah, I think I covered it all. In this solo episode, I've ever done a solo episode in over a year. So it was um, definitely interesting like, uh, experiment here, not having a co-host. Um, hopefully we will have a co-host back on here soon of some kind, whether it be Evan or um, someone else. We will We will take care of that down the road, but... I think I covered it all. I think I did my job on this one. 
So yeah, if you made it this far listening, I really, really appreciate it. And I will see you next time with another episode. Thank you.